this is Barack Lurie at the Barack Lurie Podcast. Uh, and with me, of course, is my producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. Um, we uh, have so many topics to cover. Uh, among them is uh, recent developments in Ukraine, um, crazy stuff that's going on in, the, um, uh, in Poland now. Apparently, uh, we are sending paratroopers to Poland. Um, don't know if you knew that already, but uh, we are. It's all over CNN with now. with meals ready to eat for the victims or actual weapons. <laughs> Probably meals with. Uh, I mean, how many paratroopers? If it's three, well then, yeah. So I guess I guess you could use the plural when you have two or three. I mean, I noticed they sent Biden over there, and ah, so the Ukrainians' yeah. response was thanks, but no thanks. But they couldn't send him back. They sent Biden with, in a paratroop with a paratroop. <laughs> right. So that's the paratrooper that they sent. And then then we, they really don't have to worry. Anyway, no matter what they do, uh, one thing you can rest assured is it's not going to be a massive uh, effort whatsoever. Um, there are really great articles recently about how uh, the United States is really making Putin's job so easy. Um, he's just steamrolling over Ukraine. And it's such a, uh, a great boon for him. I mean, what an opportunity. He's going to establish a fact on the ground, uh, meaning Russia has now taken over Ukraine. And... Um, when the new president, hopefully a Republican, takes over in 2016, uh, what's it going to do then? You know, tell the Russians to uh, withdraw from Ukraine? I don't think so. And there are not too many people clamoring in Ukraine, by the way. It's not as if it's like Afghanistan, where there's this terrorism response to uh, to beat the um, the Russians back. The Ukrainians don't seem to uh, have much of an issue with this. In fact, there are many Russian Ukrainians. Uh, but... Anyway, it, the whole point is that uh, Russia wants to have all the goodies that uh, Crimea especially has to offer, and they're doing it for free. Uh, now, now they've captured it. So that's where we are, and uh, our friend Mr. Obama doesn't seem to understand this basic principle um, that you, you need to kind of be strong at some point. Uh, we're seeing a lot of other things. Um, uh, the, the accomplishment area is becoming so uncanny. There was a... Uh, a recent revival of a Newsweek article, of all things, which uh, uh, the title of um, the, the, the article, and it was a cover article, to Newsweek's great credit, the title of the article was uh, Hit the Road, Barack, right, instead of Jack. And uh, you see this somewhat, um, you know, smiling but uh, devil-may-care sort of look on Obama, and it's basically showing why he's incompetent and he's got no experience to justify him being president in the first place or to continue being president. And the article goes on to say um, how remarkable it will look in history, how uh, he's just proceeded to be there at every right moment. Um, and he was just fluffed right up to the very presidency. And then when he's actually expected to do something, he can't do it. So... Uh, it talks about affirmative action being a truly racist program. That is true racism. Um, and it's, it's, uh, and I, and I forwarded this over to some liberal friends of mine. And of course they, they responded by saying, well, that was two years ago. And I said, well, does it was, does it make it less true that it was two years ago somehow? What has he become a remarkable president since these, since his uh, reelection? Um, in fact, it's, it's been far worse, I think, in these past two years. But here we are. Here we are. And I, what, what stuns me about all this is their, their notion that uh, the fact that it's two years ago means anything. Does it have to be just yesterday before 
an article can be legitimate. Is it like that, uh, that uh, new app where uh, Snap, Snapchat, where you take a, a photo of somebody and that it automatically dissolves in your, your iPhone <laughs> once you've seen it? Um, in other words, is truth only that temporal? Um, I'd like to think that uh, something that happened in 2012 and an article that happened in 2012 still has some resonance. But no, if it's two years ago, it doesn't matter. And I said, you know what? When he, when he responded like that, I said, I understand why you say that. Because after all, truth keeps on changing with you guys. Like global warming, right? I mean, it was global cooling once. It was now, then it was global warming. Now it's climate change. And as the facts come out, well, you just change the, the goalposts. You just keep on pushing them back. Truth is uh, something that keeps on moving and is a shapeshifter for them. Which leads us to our main point today. To talk about... Um, this very notion that liberals um, claim to be whatever, uh, whatever they claim to be, they're exactly the opposite. How about that? Okay. And here's what I mean by that. And we can take it step by step. The most obvious one example is um, they claim to be um, not racist. They claim to be tolerant. Well, they are truly the intolerant. They are truly the racist party. How can I prove that? Very easily. Affirmative action itself is pure racism. It decides whether you are entitled to a program solely by virtue of your skin color. That is racism. Um, are they tolerant? Let's see. If you disagree with them, they will punish you. The Proposition 8 phenomena is such a great example. And we're not even talking about the fact that they decide to, to launch everything they disagree with. They, they throw it into the court system, which is a form of intolerance because they, they refuse to accept that the, the majority, the vast majority of Californians voted for Proposition 8. They're not tolerant of that. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about if you are, if you are for Proposition 8, if you donated any money for that, they will find you. They'll hunt you down, and they'll pick it in front of your store. They'll boycott you. They'll force you to resign as CEO of Mozilla, for example, or Chick-fil-A. Uh, they'll try to do stunning things associated with that. Tolerance, you say? I think not. Meanwhile, uh, the conservatives have to deal constantly with attacks upon them. Um, our very culture is constantly mocking us, whether it's Cosmos or, or uh, family, family Guy or any number of TV programs out there. And uh, we have to just kind of sit and take it, right? That's the way it is. That's what they expect of us. And if we push back in any way, they, they call us, uh, you know, primitive or silly. And This is the way they act. Um, they are extremely intolerant. Uh, and by contrast, we are very tolerant. We have to deal with this. And because we're so tolerant, I mean, th think of us in many ways as, a, um, uh, as people trying to defend a, a fortress, right? And the fortress is a beautiful fortress. It's a very strong one. It, we call it America. And it, within it is all sorts of great culture, great ideas, great values. And for that matter, it's, it's actually protecting it to keep good people in and bad people out. But, you know, there's no advantage 
in uh, defending the fortress, right? You can only defend it. It's only an issue of how successfully you defend it, right? It's not as if you can go out and, and conquer their fortress, right? You don't want to conquer their fortress because it's a lousy fortress that they have. But you just have to defend and hope that you defend it well and repel the barbarians at the gate. That's the way it is. But slowly over time, you know, they keep on shooting arrows at it. They keep on, you know, knocking it with some cannonballs. And slowly this wall has a breach. That wall has a breach. It's only a matter of time before there's just a floodgate of madness inside your, your fortress. And yes, I, I view liberalism as madness. I, I think it makes no sense at all. It's, it's crazy land to me. And I know it's crazy land because when I ask, when I actually ask my liberal friends, tell me anything that liberalism has brought to the world that has worked. And they, re they just can't deal with it. They cannot answer the question. And I don't care how bright the person is, you just ask them. And all they'll say is, well, you know, when Clinton was around, things were great. Or FDR was great, and but for his things, uh, the country would have fallen apart. Or like, really? And then you test that, of course, and they can't do anything with that. But I said, you know, real policies, real ideologies that have actually shown to, to be right, that the Republicans or conservatives have fought back. So that's why I say it's madness. Because when you, when you can't defend it, when you can't actually show that the argument makes sense, then there's something very wrong about your argument. It's madness. And we're going to be talking a little bit about this because Ari actually made a very good point about this uh, before the podcast that I want to delve into. But before we do that, I just want to show the intolerance um, of the left and how they, um, they'll, they'll just destroy us. And our, our job is to defend, defend, defend. It's a little bit like what I tell my associates about defending a deposition. Um, I tell my clients and my associates that when you're defending a deposition, nothing good can come out of it. Nothing. This is, and I always tell my client, this is not your day. It's their day to try to breach the walls. Okay? And all you can hope for is to stop them from gaining access through the gate. That's it. Okay? And answer the questions as best as you can. I never, you know, don't lie, of course, but... You never know what the other side's going to say and what they're going to try to extract out of your client or how they're going to interpret words for what you say. So there's no percentage out of it. Likewise, with conservatism versus liberalism, it's exactly the same thing. We are constantly on the defensive. And we're trying to get our, our ideas out there. But the, the liberals, they have command of the sky, the, the land, and the sea. And we're just defending at this point. And when I say that, the, the, the land, the air, and the sea, um, they, they have control of the media, which is, and they have control of the universities, and they, they have control of the big cities. What more do you need? Well, they have the entertainment inter, uh, industry, too. Of oh, the entertainment, right. Oh, yeah. Makes that's right. worse. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's part you of media, I suppose. what else do they want? Right, right. That. Well, that's part of media, I suppose. But you're right. I was thinking of news media. So they've got news media. They've got entertainment. They've got... Uh, universities, and they've got to the big cities, and probably more things that I'm not thinking about right now. But those are enough to just lay a total onslaught, a siege upon the rest of us. And um, but we, notwithstanding this onslaught um, that we deal with, we are we, we have to tolerate it. We have to fight it out, and uh, we don't get offended the way that they do. Um, for example, they 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 impose evolution on us, right? To me, the notion that, that we came from 
apes can be considered very offensive, right? I'm not, I'm not an ape. I never, never came from an ape. But they mock us, and they, and they mock us all day long. Uh, but when, they, when we talk about evolution, for example, um, you know, evolution could be a very sensitive subject, and, um, you know, they're, they're just darn right they are. And you can say that's a very offensive thing to us. That's intolerant to our way of thinking. Um, and, and it makes us, uh, it's insulting to say that we came from apes, for example, right? But no, we have to just kind of sit and take it. Uh, and they're teaching it to uh, the, the school children. And if we dare to even suggest that maybe there's another way of thinking about this, that, that there might be an intelligent design to this whole thing, that, that everything we see, in fact, suggests something completely different, that it's not random, uh, they get wildly out of, out of shape. They get very offended by that. So if a, if a teacher, just by contrast, let's, let's use this as an example, because your kids and my kids, no doubt, during elementary school, will be told about evolution, right? And we'll, we'll, we may go to the school at some point, you and I, if only to tell them, listen, you need to be able to teach the other side of the, the argument that there's people that think that the world was designed intelligently through design. Uh, not creationism, just simply talking about design. And, uh, and, and they'll say, well, that's just ridiculous, Mr. David, Mr. Lurie. That's just absurd. By contrast, if a, a teacher even suggested in a school that there might be an intelligent design and started teaching that and saying, look, I wonder what this all means, folks. Look at all these numbers here. Look how complex this is. Might there be a design like finding that watch on the proverbial beach, Right. Might that suggest that somebody actually created this? You can bet the, the kids might tell their parents, and the parents would, would just drill you out of that school. Well, uh, to your point, the parents would storm the school with tor- pitchforks and right. torches. Yes. The cops would come with guns. Right. That teacher would be, it would be like a, uh, the uh, Bizarro Scopes trial, exact right. opposite of Scopes. Yeah. It that, would be. that teacher would be on trial for malpractice. If a teacher dared to bring a Bible, as it's called, the good book, to a school and just teach some parables of it and just teach some stories without even teaching faith, he'd be probably prosecuted. Right. Well, he, was still, he would be drummed out, um, yeah. for sure. Even if he presented it first as, look, this is just, these are stories from the Bible and we can learn from them. These are allegories. You don't even have to believe them kids. In fact, see it as literature, uh, just like you would see Hamlet yeah, as Cain literature. Cain enables a story. It's a story. Adam and Eve is a story. But we can still learn from it. Yeah. Can't we show? No, not enough. Yeah. Drum them out. Yeah, but I'm, just, I'm saying to your point about intolerance, not just drum them out, not just lose the, the, the job, not just lose fa- face and be humiliated in, in career path and all those things. That's right. obvious. Right. But it would lead to potentially violent confrontation. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's the level of freak out here. Right. Uh, another example of uh, intolerance is the global warming debate, of course, where if you don't believe them, then you're crazy. Yeah, and, 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 and you're crazy and you're a Holocaust denier and, and all those terrible things that they'll shoot at us. And uh, by contrast, um, we, we are forced to say, well, we're not necessarily doubting that the earth is getting warmer, but 
that doesn't mean that it's man-made or that it's primarily by man. And we also wonder about the consequences. It will be that catastrophic. We have to constantly apologize for our positions. Why do we act that way, though? I, I don't know. Because you, don't, you don't act that way. I, I don't. I don't either. Why do others who share views? Why are because, why are they so afraid? Because they want to be reasonable. They want to look reasonable, and because they, they don't realize that they're they're actually dealing in the same way that you you and I have spoken before about diplomacy never works, right? Um, with a dictator, at least, uh, they just see whatever your uh, your reasonableness they see it as a sign of weakness. That so it is with the liberal mindset. Not all liberals, but I'm talking about true leftism. If you are to say, hey, look, you know, maybe we should question this global warming thing, uh, they, don't, they see that as, as an opportunity to call you weak and to steamroll over you. And the best way to respond to these nuts, and they are nuts, these global warming enthusiasts, the best way to, say, to respond to them is simply saying, you have no basis for this. It's garbage. It always was garbage. It was garbage when you called it global cooling. It's garbage when you changed it from global warming to climate change. It was garbage when the facts came out to show that you were wrong all the way through. It was garbage when the, uh, the, the, the University of East Anglia showed that it was all fraud in the first place. It was garbage then. It's garbage, it's garbage today. And you, sir, need to tell me why this is, in fact, actually happening and make the connection. And, sir, don't tell me that it's all based upon your understanding that all the experts say so. You should know better than that. Yeah. See, I think you should also take it to another level, which is because by saying that, you're actually presenting a question that gives them the opportunity to, to ask. I prefer to do what they do to us, which is what Murrow did to uh, um, uh, McCarthy. You know, the whole, do you have any shame, sir? A great argument about for global warming is a specific issue, and there are others where you can do the same technique is, not only are you wrong, not only is this ideology evil, you're trying to hurt poor people. You are hurting poor people who can't afford $6 a gallon gas, who can't afford $0.10 cents a, a shopping bag, who can't afford to buy the $20 uh, signature bag from Whole Foods and launder it for every... But the liberal... You, well, uh, you are hurting yeah. people. You I, are destroying I lives. love that argument, but you are making the big assumption and the very incorrect assumption that liberals actually think about the consequences of their policies. But does because that matter if you kick a dog? Do you have to intend to kick a dog no. to hurt it? I, I, Why not just point I, out that they're kicking a dog? I'm not even talking about intentions. Uh, the consequences are what you're talking about, and you're right. 100% right about that. Those are the consequences, but you're making them think about that. You're assuming that they even think about consequences at all. They never do. It, 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 you know, the, I, I had my brother on my show, uh, my radio, my Sunday show, and uh, he's such a great guy and he's so bright. And uh, we talked about the gay marriage debate. And I said, let's assume everything's great about gay marriage. OK, and we're not even going to talk about the merits of it one way or the other. All I'm going to ask you is whether or not there are any consequences. Are there any other issues that will come up upon us in the marriage realm? Anything. And he said, no, this, that's it. That's the final frontier. Okay. And I said, I, with respect, my dear brother, I think you're naive. Uh, how you can think that that's the end of the marriage debate and that all things have now been resolved is, is just a little bit silly. Did you then present that article I sent you about the person who married a dog in England? Uh, yeah, we, we talked about that later on, yes, but not, not immediately thereafter, yes. But, but he'll say that that's an outlier and all that stuff. And, and he, can, he can say that. He can say that today. But I, 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 I did tell him, look, let's talk in five years, and then we'll say, you see, you see. And it's always going to be that way. 
but it's not in their mindset to think about consequences. You know, Dennis Prager says it's all about feelings. Liberalism is felt, and he's right to some extent. But my thinking, I, I want to take a little bit, one step further. Certainly the feelings are, are very important to them. But uh, it's more that they hear the policy and they stop at that. What is the policy of it? For example, Obamacare. The policy, the policy of Obamacare is to get those who were previously uninsurable to be insured. I love it. Why would you be against a bill like that, Mr. Lurie? And, and that's where their minds stop. Whatever the, the stated policy is, good enough. They're the kinds of people that, that will vote for any proposition just based upon the headline of so the proposition. So because the team wants to win, that's good enough. It doesn't matter that it lost 30 to nothing. They wanted to win. That's right. why we support the team. They, they, they tried. I, I think that's fine. Because, I think that's fine. I mean, look, affirmative action, is, the policy of affirmative action is to give you know, a, a leg up to those people that uh, are you know, previously discriminated against, and this will fight racism. Okay, never, you know, never mind that it actually creates racism, never mind that it, it, it is itself racist. All they care about is the policy, and they stop at the statement of the policy. And what I said before about the propositions, when you vote for propositions, it says, you know, I mean, you can call it whatever you want, a lipstick on a pig and all that, right? It still is a pig. Um, so calling it the Affordable Care Act doesn't make it affordable, nor does it provide care. Right, it is an act, but it's not affordable, nor is it care. But people just see that, and that's the headline of it. And never mind the twenty-seven thousand pages that come with it, um, and the, all the regulations that flow, that are even more from that. All they they stop at the word affordable care. Yeah. That's see, it. see, my point in how to counter them though is uh, the way I see it is their their whole ideology is so rooted in critical theory, and we've talked about this before, where they criticize everything all the time, everywhere. That's the, and, and if you tear down everything, well, then nothing is good, and if nothing's good, well, then what's the difference? That's essentially... Right. So, so my presentation a minute ago about how to deal with them is what I consider a conservative version of critical theory, where I'm not going to care anymore about trying to explain anything to them. I'm just going to call them out and accuse and convict, which is what they do, for their policies, for right. their, their thought crimes. Right. You're saying... What, what, what you're saying is, especially to the intellectual lefty, is to say, you should know better. You yes. should know the best. It's like saying uh, you're, you're, you're taking all this meth. Or worse yet, you give it to your child, the meth to a child, or even pot if you want to make it safer. And, you could, and look, he's having a good time. Johnny's having a good time. He feels so much better. Isn't that, a, isn't that a wonderful thing? What's wrong with that? And at that point, you would say... This is child abuse, my uh, friend. Everything. Everything about it is child. Yeah. It's child abuse. What you are doing is a horrific thing. How can you say that? He seems so. Look, he's smiling. He's giggling. Yeah, and and I and you'll say to him, "I'm going to call uh, the cops on you. This is horrific. What you're doing to this child. You're 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 literally melting his brain." But I don't get it. He seems so happy. What's wrong with that? And that's the way it is with liberal policies. And that's what you're saying. You're saying, "Shame on you." You should know better. You are a grown adult that purports to engage in critical thinking, and yet you just lap this up without thinking about the consequences, the consequences that must flow from this nonsense. 
must flow from it. Yeah, I had this this very conversation. I have a, a relative who's um, an older man, and he's on he's taken care of by the government because he's old and has a difficult time of things financially. Right. And he was begging for Obamacare, and he's celebrating it. And I had the argument with him. I said, John, I'm not opposing Obamacare because I don't love you. I'm opposing it because I do love you. Mm-hmm. Obamacare will kill you. Vote for your own self-interest. Look, you know, you're hurting yourself, let alone everyone else, through your own greed. And I, I took that line, and whether it works someday or not, I I have the the theory that liberalism isn't cured in a day. You plant a seed, and ten years later, hopefully, the tree sprouted. But but the point is, I wasn't concerned with his feelings. I was concerned with getting through to this guy, and Mm -hmm. if I couldn't get through to him, at least making an example to the others who saw the conversation that he's hurting other people by being greedy. You know, the the theme of the show is liberals do exactly what they accuse others. Racism, greed, uh, intolerance. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Let's move on, actually, to to that. Um, (laughs) The the, the famous line that um, Howard Dean once said, and I'll, I'll take it from that, because that's another aspect. You know, the difference between Republicans and Democrats is that we Democrats care whether our children go hungry at night. Remember that line? Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. So it's a classic line. But, but in reality, it's exactly the opposite. Everything that, that they claim to believe in about the children, that they, that they care about the children, is exactly the opposite. And I could prove that because in reality, if they actually cared about the children, they would completely do away with unions in public schools. They would probably do away with public schools altogether uh, and, and allow the market to decide because then you would actually have some great education. Um, they, wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't encourage welfare because we that's, that's one, right of, one of the most destructive things. One little thing because I think this is the great divide between how you and I perceive the left. Right. We agree on almost everything yeah. except this. What did Howard Dean say? Repeat those words back to me again. I think I'm getting almost exactly right. Uh, the difference between liberals and conservatives is that we liberals care whether or not children go to bed hungry at night. Okay. Now, here's the question I have for you, Mr. Lurie. Yeah. If a child goes to bed hungry and you made him hungry, could you possibly care about the child even though you made him hungry? In other words, he was telling the truth. And let me invert reality a little bit, warp it for you, full space here. He cared about the children enough that he wants the children to be hungry so that he can impose his policies upon the children, their parents, and all affected. Liberals oh, do care about the children, but they want them to have terrible schools, be in destitute economic situations, suffer poverty, etc., because their political uh, oh, results are tied to the suffering. I'm, I'm, I don't, we don't disagree. I, I, the, the, the thing, let, let me see if I can reshape this for you because I want to move on to the next, next topic or the next adjective that they always use about themselves. Sure. Um, they, uh, this is the adjective of basically caring, right? Not just children, yes. but caring, generally speaking. Um, they, they desire, they, they, they want welfare. They want food stamps. It's as clear as day. This is not conspiracy talk. This is not uh, super generalization. It's just fact. It's just fact. They, they've come out. They, they have, there are memos about this. The government actually encourages people to go into food stamps. They encourage them to go into welfare. They want to undo 
the reforms that Bill Clinton signed into law in 1996 or 97, I think it was. Um, so they want to expand these things, which are clearly bad. Uh, they want to uh, encourage public schools, uh, unionized public schools in particular, and and they want to demolish charter schools. You see this in New York City, by the way. Uh, they want to demolish uh, anything that indicates choice, voucher system, things vouchers, like uh, scholarships for poor kids to go to wealthy uh, private schools, everything. They, they, they want that. So this is what they want. We want the exact opposite. We want more choice in schools. Why? Because uh, they end up getting a far better education. Who really cares? Yeah. I'll t- okay. Now, here, yeah. Hang on. now, going back to the who really cares, there's a, there's a, there's a book called Who Really Cares? And I forget who wrote it. But the notion was, it actually talked about this very dichotomy because the classic example um, is that, uh, you know, that this mantra is that the conservatives are just greedy. I mean, I love The Simpsons, um, and they always make a cartoonish, uh, and literally a cartoonish... Um, Mr. Burns, the miser. A cartoonish picture of the Republican headquarters, and it's always in some Trans- Transylvania-type castle, and there's you know, lightning, you know, uh, going back and forth at the time. And they, they talk, they have a secret plan to take over the, pl- the, the town and such. But, but I digress that the, the point is it's all about the greediness and the lack of caring when in fact the, the exact reverse is true. Uh, we so care about this, um, that, and we know that these are the things that will work. They in fact couldn't care less. In fact, if, they, if anything, what they really want is actually to numb the American public as much as possible. They want to take away education from the schooling system. The last thing they want them to learn is, is actual history. Or self-sufficient or see or enterprise or anything that can empower That's the last them. thing they want to do. Right. They, and they certainly don't want to let, let them learn about American history. Um, but my point and, is unless, they unless they, care yeah. oh. about people not getting those things. Uh, okay, but you're saying that the... They care about something else. It's, okay, let's let's not conflate these two issues. Sure, we're talking about caring about the the well-being of children. Right, That's that what they about. that they don't they care don't. about. Okay, so uh, you know, saying that they care means they yeah. care about their own greedy self-interest and their own power. That's not the same kind of care that we're talking right. about. Right, in basic stand-up comedy joke writing, the most basic atomized form of joke is a a set a sentence with a word with two meanings. Right. You know, essentially the pun. Yeah. And what I'm saying is the word care, when D- Dean says it, has two meanings. I, In uh, other words, he's yeah. warping its right. definition. You're saying that, that he really, he's revealing some truth, but he really does care about them going hungry. In the sense that he does want them to be hungry. Right. I, I, I get it. Yes. Uh, but I don't want to get too sophisticated, <laughs> as it were. Okay. And that was on purpose, that joke. Uh, I don't want to get too sophisticated about this because there's so much to talk about. Right. That's the end of comedy word, joke number two, the malapropism. That, that's right, the malapropism. So because there's many other um, uh, characterizations or self-characterizations uh, that are, in fact, so upside down. Here's another one. Uh, we use – actually, it goes right to the next one, which is sophisticated. They, they conclude that they are very sophisticated and very intellectual, Right. Um, when you think of the classic intellectual or the way they want you to think about the classic intellectual, um, it's this 
professor. It's a university professor with the uh, the leather uh, patches. Yeah, the right? tweed jacket, leather, leather patches, patches, the pipe. Yeah, but it's all good. Reading Proust or... Right. And, and all his young students are, you know, lying on the floor listening to him, you know, um, talking about um, the, the road less traveled and what what does existence really mean and that, that sort of stuff. And they're really delving into very deep issues, you understand. And... Uh, they, they they refer to uh, the, the Reagan and Bush administrations as regimes. Oh, you know, that's right. Um, you know, and, and who are we to say that our uh, system of government is any better than uh, the Russians? You know, I hope the Russian children love their children too, right? Yes. Classic line. I yes. hope they're right. So this is this is this is their level of sophistication. And as, as Sting sings the song, I hope the Russian loves their children too. You know, you can hear all the people nodding, nodding away. And likewise with the John Lennon's um, Imagine song, Imagine No Possessions and so on. All you need to do is strip away the music and it just sounds idiotic. Right? Imagine No Possessions. It's not hard to do. Imagine No Religion. Woohoo. <laughs> right. I mean, it just it just sounds idiotic. Like, and it's like from the book Poems for the John. Right. Remember that That's old right. book where you read it? Yes, and yes. It's like that. It's it's really like that. But it's it's so unintellectual. It's so unsophisticated. Because just taking those very songs as well. Well, let me see. I hope the Russians love their children too. What what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. It's the- it's, it's, it's it's the government that's clearly destroying the families in Russia that has the children reporting on their parents. That has nothing to do with the Russians loving their children, at least not the parents loving their children. They're sicking their own children against their parents. You don't get it, do you? It's a totalitarian regime, uh, and there's a reason why they're not allowing you to see behind that wall, my friend. Um, and, and, and then you just have to say, look, who is crossing whose wall? I mean, let, let's be that sophisticated. That, it's not that sophisticated, but it's certainly more than I hope the Russians love their children too. Well, it's, it's classic straw man argument. Of course, the Russians love their children. I'm just hoping the Russian government loves my children. Right, exactly. I, I, I get it. And their own. Yeah. <laughs> because but, the Russian government is the one with the nuclear weapons that's causing us to have to build up for this potential Holocaust Sting is singing about. But what we're saying is that they're so unsophisticated because they don't even delve into the slightest bit of analysis of it. Um, and, you, and this applies to the college professor like nobody's business. Because the college professor, he's the most unsophisticated of all the liberals. What's that you say? How can you say that, Barack? After all, they have a PhD. Yeah, they have a PhD in whatever crappy um, subject that they decide to get a subject their uh, PhD in that you, usually has nothing to do with uh, what they're opining about. Right. They wrote an 800-page thesis. No one read. Someone liked them and said, graduate. They, they have their PhD and they got tenure. Yes, they, they, they did, uh, they did a, a PhD on a thesis on Thoreau. Let's say, and now all of a sudden they're they're opining their their great thoughts about Bush and how Bush lied and people died and you know these quick quick af- aphorisms that they throw out there and how Blackwater is like Walden Pond or some right. crap like that right. <laughs> so this is this is where they go and and but they don't the reason why they're more unintellectual why they're more uh, unsophisticated is because there's nobody there to actually challenge them at least here in my office we have some liberals and such. We still have some banter. You know, they know what I'm going to say to them. And I, I will expect them to back up their arguments. 
right? I mean, we, we don't actually argue, argue, but I, I will say, they'll, they'll hear, like, what makes you say that? Where, how is that true? How can you show me that? I mean, please tell me you, yourself, uh, Bob will call him, um, why the earth is, is warming. Don't tell me experts, just yourself. Your own analysis, please. Because I can give you mine. But if you can't give me yours, you ain't nothing. But by contrast, a university professor can go literally for decades teaching at a university X and not have anyone disagree with him the entire time. I mean, it's the equivalent of what Dennis Prager says um, about um, going through uh, almost all of elementary school, junior high, and high school. You can easily go without having a single male teacher, right? Which is not hard to imagine. But it's, it's even easier to imagine a professor in a university system literally going for 30, 40 years and not having ever been challenged on any of his crazy thoughts. Anyway, that's not sophistication, folks, when you just spout off phrases like Bush lied and people died. And you just have to scratch a little bit. So they're not sophisticated. Here's another thing they always talk about, um, that they're all about the middle class. And they're all about equality, and they want to make sure everyone has a fair share. You know, that's what they want. Okay. Every single one of their policies has created more of a rift in their, in, in, among the classes, has created any dissipation of the middle class that they now decry. Right? This is everything they do. Well, I call them drawbridge policies. In other words, they've used mm. prosperity to get past the river, right? Right. Then they turn around and build a drawbridge and haul it up, making sure no one else has the ability uh, very good point. To, to, to be prosperous after them. And as a result, it stratifies class systems so no one can uh, get the upward mobility that America promises. And then they turn around and say, see, we need Marxism. The classes are stratified. Right. Yeah, to, to emphasize your point, and then I want to move on to the, the, the next point, one thing that uh, to emphasize your point is this um, notion of stratification and all that. But you've got <laughs> so many regulations, right, that only the companies that are already really big can actually pay for these regulations. So in other words, <laughs> that the, the, the ladder, you know, once you've climbed up the ladder, uh, your draw big is a, drawbridge is a very good example too, but Think of it as a ladder, right? And people have climbed to the ladder, fair and square, okay? And now they've got to reach the top of the ladder. They get to see, you know, Zion and Jerusalem and whatever you want. Yeah, and then they kick the ladder. Or either they click, well, or more appropriately, they simply cut off the, the lower rungs so that nobody can access the, now what, you know, the fifth rung in order to get to the top, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you can get to the top if you somehow manage to get to the fifth rung. But good luck, my friend. Yeah. Good luck. And the same analogy is perfect for Hillary Clinton as an individual. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Oh, okay. Because I want to get some more of this. They, then, they, then they say, look, you know, we're so far between each other. Okay? Oh, yes. So you've got people on the ground looking up to the sky. There's nobody in the, you know, going up or down on the ladder. But who's created that problem? That's what regulations do, my friend. It cuts the rungs from the ladder. That's exactly what it does. And same thing with high taxes. Yeah, well, let's let's even crystallize it more. Not just high taxes, not just regulation. The whole suite of liberal policies vis-a-vis a command economy. That that's where I'm going with this. So um, you've got you create actually tremendous inequality, tremendous division within your society, tremendous stratification among the classes, 
It's a recipe for disaster. And yet they keep on doing it. So their policies are themselves unequal. Uh, they create uh, the, very, the, the very notion that they claim to decry, which is the one percenters versus the 99 percenters. Um, who's responsible for that? They also complain about the, the shipping of jobs overseas. We talked a little bit about that. Who is responsible for that? Liberal policies and regulations that make it so onerous and so expensive to hire people here that they'll hire them over there. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks to liberalism. Um, if you let the free market decide these things, surprise, surprise, all sorts of jobs open up here in, in the United States. But, you know, again, like we always say, you can never accuse liberalism, liberalism, Liberals of thinking things through. The final one I want to talk about is this greedy uh, mantra that, that, that they say, right? Uh, we are always so greedy. Greedy, greedy, greedy. Okay. I don't know where they have the proof of that. Um, they, they want it. I think they, what they do is because we, discuss, we, we are always hip on the issue of let the market decide, business is good, uh, it creates jobs, things like that, they therefore assume that um, we, we're all about money and we just want to make a lot of money for ourselves and therefore we're greedy. Okay. Uh, okay. First of all, the reality is that we have far more people who are in the middle class and lower class who are Republicans than there are Democrats in that same position. So that kind of fall, flies in the face of their very argument, right? Why, why would you have a middle class person or a poor person, no less, be a Republican. I mean, it just makes no sense at all. But there's not just one. There are millions of those poor people that vote Republican. Ah, that's right, they'll say, because they're Bible thumpers and uh, they're voting against their own interests. They can't imagine, you know, how they, they could possibly vote that way. Well, they're all idiots because they're unsophisticated, as it turns out. Uh, but still, the greediness factor is, is a big deal here. When, when you talk about greed, who's more greedy? I mean, when you're, when you're advocating for less in the way of regulations, less in the way of taxes, you, you're not advocating... More freedom. Yeah, and more freedom. You're not advocating it so that you can keep all that money for yourself and buy a mansion or a yacht. No, you're advocating it so that you can plow back into your business and employ more people. That's what people do with more of their money, with their capital. They don't understand that. They only think one-dimensionally. They think that if somebody wants to pay lower taxes, putting aside the efficiency of government, which is always an issue, that the only reason why they want to pay less in the way of taxes is so that they could just take more at home and buy that fancy yacht. Well, they shouldn't do that. They should pay their fair share. Yeah, because okay. even if we did that, who builds the yacht? Right. Who sells the yacht? Who right. runs the yacht and keeps it running? They never ask that question. You also left out one other thing about the greed and, and the class right. level and the uh, mm -hmm. income level of the voter. Who, what kind of people do the super rich always vote for? They seem to all vote Democrat. Yes. Isn't that strange? Yes. And they're, they're so greedy, these super rich and the Democrats they elect, that they don't only want all of our tax money, they want all of our regulatory power as well. Yeah. So it, it, how is it that Republicans are more greedy than the Democrats when all we want is money, right. not political power, right. not political clout? Well, this, and this relates to the, the very last topic, which we'll bring up, which is about generosity. Greedy, you know, they're not greedy, and not only that, but they're also more generous. Okay, uh, that, that's an easy one. Um, every survey shows that Republicans are wildly more charitable, 
wildly more involved in organizations uh, that give up their time and their money. Um, who's more generous in that world? The left is very generous with other people's money, which is, of course, not being generous at all. It's That's simply being uh, um, authoritarian. That's all. Um, so don't be impressed whatsoever. Look, the point is, folks, whenever, whatever the, the liberal says about himself, or at least about his, himself as a liberal, you can rest assured of one thing. It means exactly the opposite. And that's the point of this podcast. Remember, you hear a, a liberal saying one thing about himself, it is truly the opposite. You can be the this is Barack Lurie. This has been the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Let's do it.